Chapter Second, Part One of Elsie Dinsmore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elsie Dinsmore by Martha Finley. Chapter Second, Part One. Thy injuries would teach patience to blaspheme, yet still thou art a dove. Beaumont's double marriage. When forced apart from those we love though sure to meet to-morrow we yet a kind of anguish prove and feel a touch of sorrow but oh what words can paint the fears when from these friends we sever perhaps to part for months for years perhaps to part for ever anon when miss allison had gone and elsie found herself once more quite alone she rose from her chair and kneeling down with the open bible before her she poured out her story of sins and sorrows in simple childlike words into the ears of the dear saviour whom she loved so well confessing that when she had done well and suffered for it she had not taken it patiently and earnestly pleading that she might be made like unto the meek and lowly jesus low sobs burst from her burdened heart and the tears of penitence fell upon the pages of the holy book but when she rose from her knees her load of sin and sorrow was all gone and her heart made light and happy with a sweet sense of peace and pardon once again as often before the little elsie was made to experience the blessedness of the man whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered she now set to work diligently on her studies and ere the party returned was quite prepared to meet miss day having attended faithfully to all she had required of her the lesson was recited without the smallest mistake every figure of the examples worked out correctly and the page of the copy-book neatly and carefully written miss day had been in a very captious mood all day and seemed really provoked that elsie had not given her the smallest excuse for fault-finding handing the book back to her she said very coldly i see you can do your duties well enough when you choose elsie felt keenly the injustice of the remark and longed to say that she had tried quite as earnestly in the morning but she resolutely crushed down the indignant feeling and calling to mind the rash words that had cost her so many repentant tears she replied meekly i am sorry i did not succeed better this morning miss day though i really did try and i am still more sorry for the saucy answer i gave you and i ask your pardon for it you ought to be sorry replied miss day severely and i hope you are for it was very impudent speech indeed and deserving of a much more severe punishment than you received now go and never let me hear anything of the kind from you again poor little elsie's eyes filled with tears at the ungracious words accompanied by a still more ungracious manner but she turned away without a word and placing her books and slate carefully on her desk left the room rose allison was sitting alone in her room that evening thinking of her far distant home when hearing a gentle rap at her door she rose and opened it to find elsie standing there with her little bible in her hand come in darling she said stooping to give the little one a kiss i am very glad to see you i may stay with you for half an hour miss allison if you like said the child seating herself on a low ottoman pointed out by rose and then mammy is coming to put me to bed it will be a very pleasant half hour to us both i hope replied rose opening her bible 
they read a chapter together rose now and then pausing to make a few explanations and then kneeling down she offered up a prayer for the teachings of the spirit and for god's blessing on themselves and all their dear ones dear little elsie she said folding the child in her arms when they had risen from their knees how i love you already and how very glad i am to find that there is one in this house besides myself who loves jesus and loves to study his word and call upon his name yes dear miss allison and there is more than one for mammy loves him too very dearly replied the little girl earnestly does she darling then i must love her too for i cannot help loving all those who love my savior then rose sat down and drawing the little girl to a seat on her knee they talked sweetly together of the race they were running and the prize they hoped to obtain at the end of it of the battle they were fighting and the invisible foes with whom they were called to struggle the armor that had been provided and of him who promised to be the captain of their salvation and to bring them off more than conquerors they were pilgrims in the same straight and narrow way and it was very pleasant thus to walk a little while together then they that feared the lord spake often one to another and the lord hearkened and heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him and for them that feared the lord and that thought upon his name and they shall be mine saith the lord of hosts in that day when i make up my jewels and i will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him that is my mammy coming for me said elsie as a low knock was heard at the door come in said rose and the door opened and a very nice colored woman of middle age looking beautifully neat in her snow-white apron and turban entered with a low curtsy asking is my little missus ready for bed now yes said elsie jumping off rose's lap but come here mammy i want to introduce you to miss allison how do you do aunt chloe i am very glad to know you since elsie tells me you are a servant of the same blessed master who i love and try to serve said rose putting her small white hand cordially into chloe's dusky one deed i hope i is missus replied chloe pressing it firmly in both of hers i only a poor old black sinner but the good lord jesus he loves me just the same as if i was white and i love him and all his children with all my heart yes aunt chloe said rose he is our peace and hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us so that we are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow-citizens with the saints and of the household of god and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone yes missus dat's it for sure old chloe knows dat in the bible if we build on that bressed cornerstone we're safe every one i's heard it many a time and it fills dis old heart with joy and peace and believing she exclaimed raising her tearful eyes and clasping her hands but good-night missus i must put my child to bed she added taking elsie's hand good-night aunt chloe come in again said rose and good-night to you too dear little elsie folding the little girl again in her arms ain't dat a blessed young lady darlin exclaimed chloe earnestly as she began the business of preparing her young charge for bed oh mammy i love her so much she's so good and kind replied the child and she loves jesus and loves to talk about him she reminds me of your dear mamma miss elsie but she's not so handsome replied the nurse with a tear in her eye old chloe thinks there's never any lady so beautiful as her dear young missus was elsie drew out the miniature and kissed it murmuring dear darling mamma then put it back in her bosom again for she always wore it day and night 
She was standing in her white nightdress, the tiny white feet just peeping out from under it, while Chloe brushed back her curls and put on her nightcap. "'There now, darling, you's ready for bed,' she exclaimed, giving the child a hug and a kiss. "'No, Mammy, not quite,' replied the little girl, and gliding away to the side of the bed, she knelt down and offered up her evening prayer. Then coming back to the toilet table, she opened her little Bible, saying, "'Now, Mammy, I'll read you a chapter while you are getting ready for bed.' The room was large and airy, and Aunt Chloe, who was never willing to leave her nursling, but watched over her night and day with the most devoted affection, slept in a cot bed in one corner. "'Thank you, my dear young missus. You's very good,' she said, beginning the preparations for night by taking off her turban and replacing it by a thick nightcap. When the chapter was finished, Elsie got into bed, saying, "'Now, Mammy, you may put out the light as soon as you please, and be sure to call me early in the morning, for I have a lesson to learn before breakfast.' "'That I will, darling,' replied the old woman, spreading the covers carefully over her. "'Good night, my pet. Your old mammy hopes her child will have pleasant dreams.'" Rose Allison was an early riser, and as the breakfast hour at Roselands was eight o'clock, she always had an hour or two for reading before it was time to join the family circle. She had asked Elsie to come to her at half-past seven, and punctually at the hour the little girl's gentle rap was heard at the door. "'Come in,' said Rose, and Elsie entered, looking as bright and fresh and rosy as the morning. She had her little Bible under her arm and a bouquet of fresh flowers in her hand. "'Good morning, dear Miss Allison,' she said, dropping a graceful curtsy as she presented it. "'I have come to read, and I have just been out to gather these for you, because I know you love flowers.' "'Thank you, darling. They are very lovely,' said Rose, accepting the gift and bestowing a caress upon the giver. "'You are quite punctual,' she added. "'And now we can have our half-hour together before breakfast.' The time was spent profitably and pleasantly, and passing so quickly that they were both surprised when the breakfast bell rang. Miss Allison spent the whole fall and winter at Roselands, and it was very seldom during all that time that she and Elsie failed to have their morning and evening reading and prayer together.' Rose was often made to wonder at the depths of the little girl's piety and the knowledge of divine things she possessed, but Elsie had the best of teaching. Chloe, though entirely uneducated, was a simple-minded, earnest Christian, and with a heart full of love to Jesus, had, as we have seen, early endeavored to lead the little one to him, and Mrs. Murray, the housekeeper whom Adelaide mentioned, and who had assisted Chloe in the care of the child from time of her birth until a few months before Rose's coming, when she had suddenly been summoned to home to Scotland, had proved a very faithful friend. She was an intelligent woman and devoutly pious, and had carefully instructed this lonely little one, for whom she felt almost a parent's affection, and her efforts to bring her to a saving knowledge of Christ had been signally owned and blessed of God, and in answer to her earnest prayers, the Holy Spirit had vouchsafed his teachings, without which all human instruction must ever be in vain. And young as Elsie was, she had already a very lonely and well-developed Christian character. Though not a remarkably precocious child in other respects, she seemed to have very clear and correct views on almost every subject connected with her duty to God and her neighbor, was very truthful both in word and deed, very strict in her observance of the Sabbath, though the rest of the family were by no means particular in that respect, very diligent in her studies, respectful to superiors, and kind to inferiors and equals she was very gentle sweet-tempered patient and forgiving to a remarkable degree rose had become strongly attached to her and the little girl fully returned her affection elsie was very sensitive and affectionate and felt keenly the want of sympathy and love for which at the time of rose's coming she had no one to look to but poor old chloe who loved her with all her heart 
it is true adelaide sometimes treated her almost affectionately and laura who had a very strong sense of justice occasionally interfered and took her part when she was very unjustly accused but no one seemed really to care for her and she often felt sad and lonely mr dinsmore though her own grandfather treated her with entire neglect seemed to not have the slightest affection for her and usually spoke of her as the old grayson grandchild mrs dinsmore really disliked her because she looked upon her as a child of a stepson for whom she never felt any affection and also as a future rival of her own children while the governess and the young members of the family following the example of their elders treated her with neglect and occasionally even with abuse miss day knowing that she was in no danger of incurring the displeasure of her superiors by doing so vented upon her all the spite she dared not show on her other pupils and continually she was made to give up her toys and pleasures to enna and even sometimes to arthur and walter it cost her a struggle and had she possessed less of the ordinance of a meek and quiet spirit her life had been wretched indeed but in spite of all her trials and vexations little elsie was the happiest person in the family for she had in her heart that peace which the world can neither give nor take away that joy which the saviour gives to his own and no man taketh from them she constantly carried all her sorrows and troubles to him and the coldness and neglect of others seemed but to drive her nearer to the heavenly friend till she felt that while possessed of his love she could not be unhappy though treated with scorn and abuse by all the world the good are better made by ill the odours crushed are sweeter still and even so it seemed to be with little elsie her trials seemed to have only the effect of purifying and making more lovely her natural amiable character elsie talked much and thought more of her absent and unknown father and longed with an intensity of desire for his return home it was her dream by day and by night that he had come that he had taken her to his heart calling her his own darling child his precious little elsie for such were the loving epithets that she often heard lavished upon enna and which were she longed to hear addressed to herself but from month to month and year to year the longed for return had been delayed until the little heart had grown sick with hope deferred and was often weary with almost hopeless waiting but to return elsie said adelaide as miss allison and the little girl entered the breakfast-room on the morning after elsie's disappointment the fair is not yet over and miss allison and i are going to ride out there this afternoon so if you're a good girl in school you may go with us oh thank you dear aunt adelaide exclaimed the little girl clapping her hands with delight how kind you are and i shall always be glad miss day frowned and looked as if she wanted to reprove her for her noisy demonstration of delight but standing somewhat in awe of adelaide said nothing but elsie suddenly relapsed into silence for at that moment mrs dinsmore entered the room and it was seldom that she could utter a word in her presence without being reproved and told that children should be seen and not heard though her own were allowed to talk as much as they pleased miss day seemed cross mrs dinsmore was moody and turned complaining of headache and mr dinsmore occupied with the morning paper and so the meal passed off in almost unbroken silence elsie was glad when it was over and hastened to the schoolroom to begin her tasks without waiting for the arrival of the regular hour for study she had the room entirely to herself and had been busily engaged for half an hour in working out her examples when the opening of the door caused her to look up and to her dismay arthur entered he did not however as she feared begin his customary course of teasing and tormenting but seated himself at his desk leaning his head upon his hand in an attitude of dejection 
elsie wondered what ailed him his conduct was so unusual that she could not help every now and then in sending an inquiring glance toward him and at length she asked what is the matter arthur nothing much said he gruffly turning his back to her thus repulsed she said no more but gave her undivided attention to her employment and so diligent was she that miss day had no excuse whatever for fault this morning her tasks were all completed within the required time and she enjoyed her promised ride with her aunt and miss allison and her visit to the fair very much indeed End of chapter second part one